So tonight we're going to learn a uh, very interesting yisaid from the Vilna Gain. It's based on the Pasuk Midvar Sheker Tirchak, which appears, of course, in Parshas Mishpatim, that we're supposed to distance ourselves from any lies, where you have to be honest and ethical and truthful. And the Torah doesn't say, don't lie. It just says you have to be marchuk yourself from, from words of, uh, of untruth. Now, before we get into what happened with the Gra and Vilna, I just want to give a little bit of a hakdama. You know, a lot of times we, we're in, um, we go to shuls or we go to yeshivas and you see people's names hanging on the walls, right? People dedicate a building or a mezuzah or a, uh, or a room, a classroom. There are plaques all over the building with people's names on it. And there was a question that was put to the Rashba, Rishain. This is not a new phenomenon. And in the Chuvas Harashba, Simantaf Kuf Pe'alif, he was asked about a certain person who dedicated a house near a shul with the intention of that they should sort of uh, expand the shul into the house. So there was a shul, I owned a house next to the shul, and I donated the shul, my house to the shul with the intention that they would sort of just attach the shul to the house, and I have a, a much bigger property for the shul. After he dedicated it, so the dedicator asked that on the door of the building of the shul, he'd like his name mentioned uh, there, written on the, on the wall there, in order that people should know that he was the one that, that gave all of this property and this uh, very valuable real estate to the shul. And the question was put to the Rashba, is this appropriate or not? I guess this is just at the beginning of that phenomenon that people were thinking about putting their name on buildings, putting their name on uh, in order to show that they gave. Is this a good thing or not? So the Rashba said as follows, that you can't be meicha. If a person wants to have their name on a plaque, on a, on a building, on a wall, on a classroom, you have to allow it. You should not stop it. And he says that this is midas chachamim. This is the midah of wise people, midas vatikin, in order that we should give schar la'isei mitzvah. When somebody does a mitzvah, we should publicize it. There's an Indian to publicize it. This is what Chachamim would say to do. This is what Vasikin, that's Anavim, would say to do. He says, And in fact, it's what the Torah wants. Where do you find that the Torah uh, would advocate for giving publicity to people that do a mitzvah? He says that by Hatzalas Yosef, when Reuven saved Yosef from being killed from the hands of the brothers, so the Pasuk says, Vayishma Reuven, Reuven heard this and he saved them. He saved Yosef from the hands of the brothers. He said, we can't kill him and, you know, let's throw him in the bar. And also we find by Bayaz, the Medrash says, he was, um, he was Mevater on, on Pas and Chaimetz. The Pasuk told tells us about how generous he was uh, with, with uh, Naomi, with, with Rus, rather. And also, there, and then the Pasuk, these Pesukim speak about how 
uh, these great tzaddikim did great things. And the, and the Medrash in Rus says, Amr Yitzchak, Ba'akas of Laimar, the reason why the Pasuk is publicizing all of the chesed that people do, whether or not it's what Reuven did by saving Yosef, or whether it's the chesed that was performed by Bayaz with Rus, Ba'akas of Laimar, Kisha Adam Isa Mitzvah, Yaseb Lev Shalem. When a person does a mitzvah, he should do it with a full heart. If Reuven would have known that the Torah says about him that he heard and he saved his brother from the pit, so from the hands of the brothers, and he saved his life, he would have actually carried him on his shoulders and brought him back to his father. That's how, if he had only known that the Torah would, would speak about him and publicize him in such, to such a degree, he would have done it all the way. He wouldn't just throw him into a pit. He would actually put him on his shoulders and walk him back to his father Yitzchak, to his father Yaakov. And if Aaron would have known that the Torah was going to say that he's going to meet Meshra Rabbeinu after Meshra Rabbeinu was appointed to be the leader over, and, and he not, that he was going to see you, he's going to see you, Aaron, he's going to be happy, his heart is going to be happy. If had Aaron known that the Torah is going to publicize that, he would have escorted Meshra Rabbeinu, he would have greeted Meshra Rabbeinu, with timbrels, with, uh, with dancing. And if Bayez had known that Tyre would have publicized what he did, Kelly, that he gave, them, he gave dried, parched wheat, he would have fed Rus not just some dried wheat, he would have given her fatty cows, he would have brought like really schmaltzy meat for her. And then the Medrash ends, In the olden days, a person did a mitzvah, and the Navi would, would record that mitzvah. We would know for all time from, from Tanakh. But now, if we do a mitzvah today, who's going to record it? If I give tzedakah and nobody knows about it, who's going to record it? If you learn late at night in your room and nobody knows about it, who's going to record it? So, Eliyahu Umelech HaMashiach. Eliyahu and Melech HaMashiach, they're the ones that are the recording secretaries of everything that's being done. And HaKadosh will stamp it, will seal it. Brings a Pasuk, and the Rashba ends and says that um, Anyway, he brings a, another Gemara in Baba Basra that you see that uh, that the Gizbarim would write, Yaisi ben Yezer, Hiktish Achas. You see from here that there was, there is an Indian to be Mepharsim Aisei Mitzvah. When somebody does something, when somebody does something, you're supposed to be Mepharsim it. There's an Indian to be Mepharsim it. If I know that somebody, you know, did a, did a big Maisa of Chesed, and he, you know, obviously if the guy really wants to keep it secret, that's his prerogative. But if he doesn't, there's a mitzvah for me to be mefarsim. I should get up on the, you know, on Shabbos morning and announce that thank you so much to, for, you know, for doing this for the, for yeshiva. There's an inyan to be mefarsim. Aisim mitzvah. We see that from the medrash that Hakadosh Baruch Hu is mefarsim in the Torah. These things, and and today Eliyahu Navi Mashiach is 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 recording it, and Hakadosh Baruch Hu stamps it. So we see that there's an inyan. This so the Rashba says that there is such an in, you find that it's Midas HaTayra, this is what the Torah proves. 
He didn't say if it's a, a wonderful thing, but it's definitely if the guy wants it, so no problem, you could be mefarsim it. That's not a chisarin. I don't know if it takes away from a person's if you get a lot of credit for it and you get a lot of publicity, I'm sure it possibly takes away from it, sometimes not. There are paiskim that say that if there's an auction, let's say there are, let's say Rosh Hashanah Kippur, we auction off the alias, right? And it goes for money, and the money goes to yeshiva. So would you say it's an appropriate thing for me to bid or not? On, on one hand, it's tzedakah, but on the other hand, it's like a little bit, you know, very publicized, you know, that it's like, you know, $1,000, it's like a little gaivadik, you know, to start bidding out loud in front of everybody. And, but the Paiskim say that it's okay because that's the way auctions work. And, and you know, you have to, if, you're just, if everyone's just sitting quiet and meekly and, and not saying, so the auction's going to bomb every time, you want there to be some electricity in the room. You want there to be bids and for it to be, to be active. And that the way, that's the way that the yeshiva or the shul uh, is going to maximize, you know, the appeal. But that's the Rashba, okay? Now with the, with the Rashba that we know, and it's a very good rash, but to remember about, about plaques and about signs. Now let's see what happened during the times of the Gra. Pam, Sipra Gra, they told the Gra, Kovna was one of the great cities, terror cities in, uh, in Lithuania. And um, anyone know who the Rav of Kovna was? There's a lot of very Chashva Rabbanim in Kovna. Uh, the Kovna Rav was who? Kavna Rav. Kavna Plaque, and we see that there is a hetter to put up a plaque. It said, This hospital, this new hospital wing or uh, you know, building, was established, it was nice, it was established through the Vilna Gain, through the Rebeliomi Vilna. And they told the Vilna Gain, they reported to the Vilna Gain that you might be interested in knowing that you're very prominently displayed. In a new hospital in Kavna, they're they're accrediting you with um, with being the founder, being the the miyaset of this hospital. Hagron is When the Gra heard this, he 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 trembled, and he proclaimed, "Shumu Shamayim." That's like a lushan of like a terrible. Uh, you know, like uh, that heaven should be uh, in Cherem, like a, a, a very, very strong Russian to use. Ika, Echa, Osu, How could they make me into like an instrument of, of, of Gezel, of stealing? Meaning it's totally not true. I, I, didn't, I didn't have that much involvement with it. How did I, how did my name become associated that my name should be on a plaque as the miyaset of this hospital when it's just not true? He says, why? All I did was, I once gave a, uh, a letter, they wanted me to, I guess the fundraisers to raise money for this building, 
the new hospital building in Kavna, they came to me and they uh, and they asked me for uh, you know to sign on a letter that I approve of the project. That's all I did. I didn't do any fundraising. I didn't do any. I just signed my name to a letter. There were people, there were a lot of people that were fundraising, going from door to door and going to wealthy people and being mechanic for the wealthy people and making dinners and making this and that. They, they did really all the work. What did I do? I signed my name to a letter. That's what I did. I didn't do anything, you know, fabulous, you know, in terms of exerting much energy to, for this project. They deserve the credit. What are they giving me the credit for? And ha-gra shalach tekef shnayim mitalmidav la'asir sashalat. The gra sent immediately. He didn't say, okay, but now that it's up, you know, fine. As soon as he found out about it, he immediately sent two talmidim to take down the sign, take down the plaque. Miyad acharehem nasahu ba'atzmeliranel. And after that, he followed them, and he himself went to that city, to Kovna. The Achrei Kriyas HaTayra B'Shabbos, and after Kriyas HaTayra on Shabbos morning, the Vilna Gain got up on the, on the Bima, and he clapped, and he said, I am hereby making a public declaration, and I want everybody to hear this well. Shani Sadati, I neither founded this institution, I didn't have anything to do with the building, with the construction, with the planning, with the engineers, with the progress. I had zero to do with that. And it's a an obligation on those gabayim, on those people that are in charge, the committee, the, the, you know, all the trustees, whoever is in charge of this whole scheme of, of fundraising and a building, I want that they should make a plaque, but not with my name on it. They should put the names of all the people that actually were uh, intimately involved in making this project come to fruition. Beautiful, nice of the gain. You see the gain's... Um, how, how makbed he was on Midvar Sheker Turchik, not just Sheker, Stam, but even Dvar Sheker, anything that might even smell of, 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 of falsehood. The guy wanted to, you know, be marchik, like as far as, as far as he could possibly get. He insisted that the sign come down. He made it, he clapped that he had nothing to do with it. He did everything possible so that the lie should stop that nobody should think for a second that he was really instrumental in building this hospital. When I saw this uh, Misa today, I wanted to share it with you because, first of all, it's a beautiful story. It also gives us the opportunity to see the Rashba, the Chuvas Rashba, which you know, discusses in general about putting up these plaques. But I wanted to share with you a very similar story to... About, not about the Vilna Gain himself, but a story that's a, that, that, re, that concer- is associated with the Vilna Gain by his Talmud, and a very, very similar story. It's almost like an identical type of Maisa, but just the next generation after the Gain. And the story goes like this. When I was in Kol Taira, um, so I learned in Rav Shlem Ezzam and Arab Shir. And 
one day, it was, wasn't, you know, it wasn't uncommon for Shlem Zalman to tell us, you know, sometimes some, you know, agadita, some, you know, beautiful ideas, uh, especially when the Gemara, we're learning Makkas, and the Gemara, you know, speaks about a lot, there's agadita Gemara in the middle of Makkas, and he said a lot of beautiful, you say this, um, but one day he was talking about the Vilna Gain. I don't remember exactly how he got onto the topic of the Vilna Gain. And you have to understand, Rav Shlem Zalman was really a direct, in the direct chain of the Vilna Gain. Um, Rav Shlem Zalman's mother was a parish, parish, you know, a very prominent family in, uh, in, uh, in Eretz Yisrael, and the parishes are very, you know, politically involved. Menachem Parish, like, was a famous member of the Knesset. And, but it's a very chashua family for many generations. And I think they descend from the Vilna guy in the parishes, if I'm not mistaken. He lived on Rechov Parish. Uh, and he was, uh, he davened every day in the Graz Shul. His name was Rav Shlomo Zalman. Rav Shlomo Zalman was the father of the Vilna guy, and I think you know, somehow, some way that he was named from, from that line. And the Vilna Gain, uh, Rabbi had a lot to do with the Vilna Gain, suffice it to say. Um, just Agav Orcha, there's a cute story that's told, I bring it in one of my books, that I have a book on called Great Jewish Treasures, which is artifacts of G'dayli Yisrael. So one of the artifacts that I bring there is a Gemara that was owned by the Vilna Gain, a volume of the Shast of the Vilna Gain, it has his name on the front page, and it has Haggais on the side, and there are even wax drippings from the Vilna Gain's candle. At night, they didn't have electricity, so the Vilna Gain would mamish sit by his Gemara with wax, and the, the wax from his candle was, was dripping on the, on the Gemara, and that, that also was there. So very obvious, it was sold for a ton of money on auction. But there's a story that's told that it was probably about this Gemara, this very Gemara, but maybe 20 years earlier, before it came up on auction more recently, that this that a certain person who was close to Shem Zalman was offered by a by a uh, you know somebody that deals in, in precious Judaica. He was shown this gemara that was owned by the Vilna guy, and he's you know he was, it was, and the guy offered to sell it to him. Would you like to buy? That was how he made a Barnasla, the the middleman. So he was very excited about it. He says, you know, how much is it? And he said, like some astronomical number. And he was able to afford it. And, but before he decided to make a counteroffer, he went to Rav Zalman to see what he said about it. Because again, Rav Zalman was very, very, you know, a big, big chassid of the, of the Vilna Gain. So, so Rav Zalman said, you know, it's very, very interesting. He says, so how much should I pay for it? The guy asked Rav Shlomo Zalman. So he says... I don't know, how much is like a regular Gemara? You say, you shouldn't, you shouldn't pay more than a regular Gemara. A regular Gemara is, you know, 20 shekels, so, you know, offer him 20 shekels. He says, but uh, maybe you don't understand, this is, this is a, a Gemara that was actually used by the Vilna Gain. He says, okay, uh, fine, so therefore, what does that do for you? Like, so he said, but, um, he says, it has, it has the Vilna Gain's Haggai's, his notes on the side, never before published notes on the, in the glosses, glosses on the side of the Gemara in the margin. He says, so maybe ask the guy if you can like 
copy them over and you'll have them for yourself. He didn't see, like, he says, but there's the wax drippings from the candle of the Vilna Gun. He says, he says, give me your Gemara and uh, I, I'll take, I think I have a candle in my closet. I'll, I'll drip some wax on your, on your Gemara and, you know, what, what do you want? Like, he didn't understand the extra, he understood the Vilna Gun very well, but he didn't understand, like, why that's such a value-added thing. Like, it's a Gemara is a Gemara. Like, for him, you know, this Gemara is the same as the Vilna Gun's Gemara. If you can learn, you can learn. If you can't learn, you can't learn. It's not like, what does it do for you sitting on your shelf or in a, in a lucite case on your, like, he didn't see it. I mean, maybe a lot of you don't see it. I, I happen to uh, be a big, you know, my father was a collector. I have a great appreciation for it. So for me, it's, uh, it is, I, I, I am Machshavit, and a lot of people in the world are Machshavit, but I'm just saying, Rav Shalom was not so into it. Anyway, so Rav Shalom was telling stories about the Vilna Gain. The Talmud Mubuk, one of the, this is one of the stories that he told. The Talmud Mubuk of the Vilna Gain was who? Who is the closest, greatest Talmud of the Gain? Excellent. I was very scared that nobody would say that. Baruch Hashem. Okay, so we're good. So Chaim Velazhner, who wrote the Nefesh HaChaim, he wrote the Ruach Chaim, he was the founder of the Velazhn Yeshiva, he uh, was the Talmud of the Vilna Gain. And when, when he told us two stories, and they're related, but when Chaim Velazhner decided he came up with this brilliant idea to start this yeshiva. It was a revolutionary idea. Today, you know, there's a million yeshivas in the world. What's the big deal? But he started the first, the first model of whatever we have today was modeled after Velazhin. You see, before Velazhin, there wasn't like these formal yeshivas with the base marriage with Rabban and with Rosh Yeshivas, with Mashkichim, with Shalom Meshivs and a dorm or a you know, dining room and meals and arranging and whatever. It was like if you, had, if you lived in, let's say, Kavna, you went to the local base medrash and you learned by the Rav or you learned by Rebbe or whatever. It was like a few guys sitting around the day. And that was it. That was your, it wasn't a formal yeshiva. It wasn't like a, an institution. It was just a... Rav Chaim says, no, 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 this is not, it's not, Tyra is being forgotten. We need something like a real push that you should have formal learning and there should be shiurim and there should be chavrusas um, and there should be, uh, you know, starim and, there, you know, and Shabbos and yantif and there should be a, it, we have to do something to revive the Ayla Tyra, to make something brand new. And he had this brilliant idea to start a yeshiva. It was unheard of then. Today it's, it's like ubiquitous. Every, everyone, every, you know, everyone went to yeshivas, and you, you go to yeshiva elementary school, high school, yeshiva, Eretz Yisrael, Beis Matter. But then it was a really big chiddush, and you can't just start a yeshiva like you don't just you know have an idea and say you know okay let's do it. You have to go to get das tyra see if there's if this is something that's a good idea if the tyra considers it's a good idea. You might think it's a great idea, but that's not enough. You have to go. So Baruch Hashem, they had the urmatum. The guy was still alive. He was Nifter in 1797. And so I guess around that time, maybe a year before that, Reb Chaim visits the Vilna Gain. And Reb Chaim wrote in one of his, um, like a biography or something, that whenever he came to the Vilna Gain to visit, even though he was a Talmud Mubuk, he whenever he came to the Vilna Gain, he wasn't living in Vilna at the time, he was already living in Velazhin, which wasn't too far from Vilna, but he says, my knees were shaking, like a Gemara, I think it's a Lashem Pasuk in Daniel, if I'm not mistaken. My knees were like banging together. He was so scared of coming in front of the Vilna Gain. The Vilna Gain was Kaidish Kadashim, 
uh, it was it was the like a living embodiment of the Torah, and Rechaim Lashon was petrified to go before him, but he did go before me. He, he so he came to the Vilna guy and he says, Rabbi says, I have this idea and I need the I, I want to know what Das is on this. I want to know. I need your bracha, and he described the yeshiva, he was all into it, and he was excited about it. And the Vilna Gain, he was hoping the Vilna Gain said, yeah, it's amazing, do it, go for it, here's a, here's a letter. The Vilna Gain says, come back in six months, let's talk about it again in six months. So you know when you're really excited to do something, and then somebody like sort of like dumps, you know, cold water on, you know, gator, you know, the, like free, the ice, ice bucket challenge, you know, like all over you, like and like you're like, man, like maybe I shouldn't have gone to the Vilna Gaon. Like you know, I should have just gone solo. Like six months, like in six months, I could already get the whole thing up and start, you know, starting. And so anyway, he he was a good Talmud, and he went. He waited six months. He didn't ask any questions, and he came back to the Vilna Gaon six months later, and he was still very excited. And we're going to make the yeshiva. It's revolutionary. We're going to have star, and we're going to. And could Rebbe give me a brach? He says. Yes, I give you my full, full heart or bracha, you should be matzliach, everything should be amazing. So he said, thank you. But like he was about to walk out and he turns around and he says, Rebbe, he says, why did you make me wait for six months? So I had the same idea. I was so excited. I lost six months time now. There must have been a reason. Tell me, like, what, what was the reason? So the Vilna Gain said that a lot of times in life, we have, we have ideas, we have like these brainstorms. And, and we are all excited about it. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, sometimes just parenthetically, like sometimes I think we can all relate, like you have a, like a great business idea. You ever have like, oh, some like, I have like a Shark Tank idea, like a, for a new invention or a good service that no one's ever, no one's doing. And like you think of a name, you buy the, you know, you go to the domain, you, you get your domain name bought and you're like, you know, you're like all into it. Like you're going to, this is going to be like the next, you know, billion dollar. And then like, what happens? A couple of days later, you're like, you know, eh, you know, who's going to, it's not really that good. Or you find, you do some research, other people did it already and whatever, it's been done, not success. And then you speak to a couple of naysayers and they, they, they make you meas for it. And then you're just like, you know, you just. You know, by the time next year rolls around, you only remember because, like, you get your bill for, you know, renewing your domain name again. Like, if anyone knows what I'm talking about. But um, anyway, the Vilna Gain, let's get out of that bracket, out of that parenthesis. And the Vilna Gain said, when you have a good idea and you're really excited about it, very often, you know, in the heat of your excitement, you're very excited at the moment, but then it sort of tapers out, and like, you, you know, in a couple of weeks from now, you're not into it, and it's just going to fail. Your idea was brilliant, and I think it's going to be tremendously matzliach, but I wanted to see if six months could go by, and you're still into it, then, then it's going to have a kiyam. You're not going to, like, lose cheshit for it. And the kachava, he waited the six months, and then, and then he started building, he started... He, 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 he wrote a letter. I have it in one of my Swami Great Jewish letters. It's called the Garis HaYeshiva. He wrote letters asking people to get involved in this movement and to help him raise money for, for Lajan and, and maybe start the same idea in other cities. And the Lajan, you know, became really the prototypical yeshiva. 
and eventually, it, you know, went through great Rosh Hashivas. The last Rosh Hashiva was the Nitziv. Famously, the Russians wanted him to start teaching Russian in the in, in the yeshiva, and then he decided with other G'day Yisrael that it had to close. And then the Chavetz Chaim said that because it closed, that's, and everyone was very, like, upset about the fact that the lack of the holy Velazhin yeshiva closed. Because of that, it was disbanded, and the Talmidim that were in Velazhin went all over the world and made big yeshiva. So you had Tells, and you had uh, Panovich, and you had uh, Mir, and you had, like, all these yeshivas were, like, offshoots, like, spin-offs of Velazhin that may not have happened if Velazhin would still be around. They would still continue learning there, but now that there was no Velazhin, they all understood what a yeshiva looks like, and now they just, you know, and that's how the whole Tyra world, yeshiva world began uh, from Velazhin. Velazhin was like the top, but then it branched out into many other things. So that was the first story about the Vilna Gain. The Vilna Gain was Nifter. Um, the Vilna Gain was Nifter. And then, in, like I said, 1797, I think the yeshiva was actually founded formally in 1802, if I'm not mistaken. So it was like maybe five years after the Vilna Gain died uh, was the yeshiva formally put up. Maybe before that they had a little bit of a more informal yeshiva, but the actual HaKamas ha, ha yeshiva was in 1802. And, you know, one of the things that a yeshiva needs is stationary. Every yeshiva needs stationery to send out letters from the yeshiva to send out receipts. If you send, you know, if you gave, if you gave a donation, so you, you, you know, you send out a letter thanking the person, giving a receipt. So somebody in the, in the office of Velazhin printed up stationery. They didn't ask Reb Chaim Velazhiner what to put on the stationery. So he just did it on his own. And he, on the stationery, I wish I would die to have a piece of the stationery, to have a picture of leaving the stationery because you know, it would be delicious to have because of the story that goes with it. But it says on the top of the stationery, Yeshivas Velazhin. And then under it, like the, um, the subline, you know, the, the line under it was Nisyasta Al Yidei Talmidei Hagra, Rabbeinu Hagra. It was founded by the Talmidim of Rabbeinu the Gra. That's what it said under. I mean, Yeshivas Velazhin, big letters, and then it was founded by, meaning Reb Chaim Velazhin, was a Talmud Agra, right? Nothing wrong with that. So this secretary in the office thought that that would be a beautiful, so he had like a thousand of these pieces of stationery printed up. It was very expensive in those days to get paper was expensive, and to print was very expensive, it was very, but he did it. Reb Chaim Velazhin walks into the office or whatever, into that room where the, where the stack of this freshly printed stationery was. And he gets very upset. Very, very upset. And he said, who gave you permission to print up stationery that says this? He says, well, what's wrong? It's true. The guy we, we just spoke about, he was the one that gave you the bracha. And you're, you are a Talmud of the Gras, so what's wrong with it? He says, and you have to understand what he's saying. He said, I can call the guy in my Rebbe. I, I could, if I'm speaking about the one, I can call my Rebbe because... He's Rabban Shol Kol Bnei He was the Rabban Shol Yisrael. The Vilna Gain was the Rebbe of Kal Yisrael. So I could call him my Rebbe all I want. But how do I have the chutzpah? How dare I call myself a Talmud of the Vilna Gain? How do I call myself a Talmud of the Vilna Gain? Like, how do I, how do I, to call yourself a Talmud of the Vilna Gain, you know, implies that I, 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 I received like a Messiah from the Vilna Gain. And, and the Vilna Gain was like a, you know, it's like, you know, if you have like an ocean, 
and then there's like, and you, you're able to like get a little drop of water out of a, out of a huge, you know, Pacific Ocean, uh, you know, are you a Talmud of the Pacific Ocean? You're not, you have a little drop. Reb Chaim felt that I'm not a Talmud, he's my Rebbe, but I'm not a Talmud. You're saying that, and he insisted that every piece of the stationery be shredded. He didn't want any trace of the stationery. And so I, I thought that that was like Mamish, a perfect uh, supplement to this story about the Look, the Rebbe, the Vilna Gain, um, was very upset about the plaque on the wall that said a very similar, he was mocked about in his own lifetime that no one should give him credit for doing something that he didn't do. And his Talmud when he saw a stationery that said similarly, also had this like visceral reaction, like, you know, it's a lie. How do I call myself a Talmud of the Gra? I'm not, he's my Rebbe. He's not, I'm not a Talmud of his. Well, chutzpah to call yourself a Talmud of the Momagain. Like people call themselves on the Talmud, Talmud of Ramesha Feinstein. You're not a Talmud of Ramesha Feinstein. Who, who could claim to be a Talmud of Ramesha Feinstein? Ramesha Feinstein is like, you know, every, the whole entire world, and you're like this, you know, like, whoa. you can't, call, you know, so, but this is all a sensitivity that, you know, we have to try to develop that type of sensitivity about what, about, you know, before we, so we, we take credit for things that we don't, we don't deserve the credit. And that's a, that's a little bit of a lie. You don't have to outright say a lie, but sometimes, like, if you sit back and you accept uh, praise for things that, you don't really deserve, uh, you know, people are thanking you and you didn't really do that much or you're, they're, they're putting you, uh, you know, your name in something and you, you really were in, in you know, the, almost like, you know, not even a blip on the radar, then you have to be meicha. That's not something, you, it's much better to be honest about things, be transparent. I didn't do it. I have nothing to do with this. It's much better to be that way than to start getting into the, into the rhythm of accepting covet when you don't, you don't deserve the covet. That's midvar That's what it means to, if you if you sense anything that's really a lie, distance yourself from it. And if you could distance yourself from something that, you know, it's not the end of the world. It's not a blatant lie. But if you if you already have that sixth sense that like, it's it's like it's it's revolting to be dishonest, then it'll be much easier for us as when we're faced with real ethical dilemmas, when we have a real issue of, of geneva, gazela, you know, we have opportunities to, to swindle money, to scam people out of money, to be dishonest in business, to sell merchandise that's shoddy as, as good, to sell merchandise that's used as new. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll never do that because we already set up for ourselves the harchaka from Sheker. We put up so many barricades and barriers before we get to the Sheker that we have like such a distaste for anything that's untrue that when you have that, that's where the Tyrosim is Shaker, to forget about not lying, but Tirchak, run away from it as far as you can. If there's even a remote you know, sense that, that this is dishonest, that this is not true, I don't deserve this, it's not right, there's something wrong about me accepting this, this title, this honor, this, then you have to run away. And if you run away from, the, from even the, the, the smell of Shaker, then hopefully we'll be able to actually withstand the temptation of the Shekhar itself.